0: Hey everyone, my name is Randall Heyer and I'm the worship arts pastor here at Cochrane Alliance Church. We are so glad that you've come to check out the latest sermon and we pray that you are encouraged, challenged, and ultimately that you are drawn closer to Jesus. Enjoy. Alright, so today we continue our series In Christ, looking at the Book of Ephesians: The Letter to the Ephesians. And today we come to Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter four, or sorry, Ephesians chapter 3:14 through21. And this is what he prays. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with with all the fullness of God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are in this place by your Spirit. We thank you that you are dwelling in us through faith, and we, uh, we look to you this morning, Jesus. We wait upon you this morning, We ask that you'd have your way in this place. Would you be speaking to our hearts and minds, our spirits this morning about who you are? We love you, Jesus. Amen. So, we've uh, journeyed through uh, the first three chapters of uh, of Paul's letter, and Paul shares some of the richest theology in all of Scripture in the first three chapters. He's talked about uh, how we have been forgiven by grace through faith alone, how he has, or or how uh, we have been redeemed in Christ, uh, how we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Uh, Paul has talked about how we've been given an inheritance, and that we have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And so these these three chapters are just jam packed with theology. And now Paul turns to a a prayer of blessing. He turns uh, he turns to an earnest. Prayer, And in this prayer, he expresses his deepest longing that the believers in Ephesus would not only know this rich theology, but that they would know this rich theology. Does that make sense? That, they would, that it would go from here to here. And so uh, Paul begins his prayer. John Stott calls this prayer uh, a staircase prayer, and um, and in this staircase prayer, there's four steps, and it starts with strength, it moves to love, then knowledge, and fullness, and at the foundation of this staircase prayer, Paul uses this phrase: the riches of his glory. He says, according to the riches of his glory. And this is the foundation of Paul's prayer. Uh, Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable are his ways. Essentially saying, God's ways and His love and His wisdom and His riches and His knowledge are completely different. They are endless. They are unfathomable. And so we've just gone through the first three chapters, and on some level we have seen the riches of His glory. We've seen the riches of his glory, that we have been adopted as sons and daughters, that we've been chosen in him, that we have been given redemption, that we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. If you are a believer in Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have every spiritual blessing in Christ. We've received salvation by grace through faith. And so, Paul prays this prayer that according to the riches of his glory. Essentially, we have a God who gives without holding back. Some of the poets and songwriters would call it reckless love. I know that offends some people. But his love, his riches, are reckless. They are endless. They were. They are. They are from a bottomless pit. They. They. They are just endless. They are over the top, never stopping, lavish. Uh, God is a well that never runs dry. But my, a friend of mine, uh, me and him, were working in a nonprofit missions organization, and in. Uh, in youth with a mission, you have to raise your own financial support every single month. And one day, my friend Brian was talking with a gentleman from his church, and he was just sharing sharing with him what he does. And he's like, yeah, I work for a missions organization. Every month, we have to raise our own support. And this man looked at him and said, Brian, you know, you won't be able to draw from that well forever. And Brian looked at him and said, I don't know what well you're getting water from, but the well that I get water from never runs dry. We are drawing from a well that never runs dry. The riches of his glory. The kingdom of God is limitless in its resources. And I'm not just talking about money here. There's so much more than money. What Paul is asking is that according to God's immeasurable greatness, his incredible acts, his incredible goodness, his limitless power, his incredible splendor and brilliance, the character and nature of who he is, this is the foundation of Paul's prayer and where he's going to go. And this is not where I want to, this isn't the big point of the sermon this morning. But I want to ask one question. When you pray, when you go to the Lord, are you praying according to the riches of his glory? Eugene Peterson puts it like this. I pray to the Father who parcels out all of heaven. Take a moment to imagine what he- the resources of heaven. Hundreds of millions of angels. Resources are limitless. The resources of heaven are limitless. Think about the confidence that we can come to the Lord in prayer the God who puts all of heaven online, the the God who has limitless resources. And I think sometimes we make a mockery of God when we pray, you know, God, if you can, God, if you want to, God, if it's your will, we can pray according to the riches of his glory we can pray according to His limitless resources, the the resources of the the fact that we have been adopted as sons and daughters, the fact that we have been saved by grace through faith, The, the fact that He gave His life for us that we might die and then live to Him. I feel like the Lord is saying to his church, not just Cochrane Alliance, but his church, my sons and daughters, I want you to pray according to the riches of my glory, according to the limitless resources of heaven. I believe that we have lack in in many areas of our, our lives because we are not praying according to the riches of his glory. We don't don't pray with an understanding that we can come to the throne room of heaven and ask according to the riches of his glory. And so as we dive into Paul's staircase prayer, we come to the first step. And this first step is that Paul's desire is that we would be strengthened with power. And this word power in the Greek is dunamis, dunamis. And uh, it's where we get our English word dynamite. In 1867, uh, a man named Alfred Noble uh, created an explosive. And it was so powerful that he coined it dynamite. It wasn't just a small power. It was dynamite power. And... uh, dynamite completely changed the landscape of global industrialization. In 1869, there was a huge project that took place in um, Nevada and it's called the Sutro Tunnel. And they took dynamite and they blew through four miles of mountain in order to create a drainage uh, passageway for uh, a mine. And uh, they used dynamite. This this dynamite was so powerful that they could blow through four miles of mountainside. Paul's prayer is that we, the believers of Jesus, the believers in Ephesus, that they would be filled with the dynamite power of God. That they would be strengthened with the dynamite power of God. And then the, the the question you know is well how how can we be filled with the dynamite power of God? And Paul answers this question in his very next sentence: through His Spirit in our inner being. The Spirit lives within us, and we will be internally strengthened. For many of us, if you've been around for the last year, this is not new information that the Spirit of God lives inside of us. However, I believe that today, that we will get a new and fresh revelation, and a a revelation inside of us that we would understand that the Holy Spirit, the dynamite power of God, lives within us. Romans 8.11 says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. 1 Corinthians 6.19, many of you know this. Or do you not know that that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Put your hand on your chest and say, The Holy Spirit lives within me. Amen. That's a good word. Look to your neighbor and say, The Holy Spirit lives in me. Now say it again like you believe it. For Paul and all the New Testament writers, the Spirit as a living reality was the key to the Christian life. There was no other option, and there still is no other option. And so Paul is praying that the, the believers in Ephesus would be strengthened in their inner man through the power of the Spirit. In this world, we, uh, we go through difficult, difficult circumstances. Uh, we go through major health crises. We go through broken relationships. We go through discouragements. We go through the death of loved ones. We, we get battered by financial hardships. And we just get knocked down over and over and over and over and over and over. Has anyone ever experienced this? Okay. Me and a few other people. All right. We need to be strengthened. I need to be strengthened. I need to be strengthened every single day. We need to be fortified. We need to be braced. We need to be invigorated. Some people do yoga. Some people do mindful meditation. Some people take medications to get through the hardships of life. I'll take the Holy Spirit. I will take the Holy Spirit to be strengthened on my inner man. I'll take the dynamite power of the Spirit of Christ living inside of me, strengthening my inner man and it's the continual assumption of the new testament writers that there is no other option no other option question is what is the inner man and i believe that the inner man is our mind our will our emotions our soul and spirit it's our character it's our personality some of you might argue with me about what the definition of the inner man is, but essentially it's who we are. It's not, it's not our flesh and bones, but it's, it's who we are. Francis Folk says this about the inner man. It says, he says, it is the deep seat of the personality. And this is where the Spirit seeks to have his dwelling and so transform the whole life of the inner man. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, So do not lose heart. Though your outer self, our body, is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. The Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us renews us by His power. And it affects all areas of our lives, all areas of our inner man, our inner being. Uh, when, when we lead people to come to know Jesus, often what we'll do is pray the sinner's prayer, right? Who, who's prayed the sin, sinner's prayer? We all prayed the sinner's prayer when we were young, little kids. And oftentimes, uh, this prayer, you know, it gets criticized and it's, oh, it's, the Christian life is more than a prayer. Okay, yes, it is. But guess what we are saying Jesus, come and live inside of me. Come transform my inner man. It's not just some flaky prayer. If we actually believe the words of the sinner's prayer, it is actually one of the most incredible prayers you could ever pray. Paul is adamant that the reason why we need to be strengthened in our inner being is so that Christ can dwell in our hearts through faith. We need the working and the strengthening of the Spirit so that Christ can have more of us, so that he can be seated on the throne of our heart in a greater and deeper capacity. The the old theologian, Charles Hodge says this, the indwelling Christ is a thing of degrees. The indwelling Christ is a thing of degrees. You can have more or less of Jesus dwelling inside of you. Now, some of you are going to say, oh, that's heresy. No, but there's, there's a greater degree to which Christ has our inner being, our inner man. Listen to what Pastor Rob Reamer says. We need more capacity in our souls. Paul understands we need more capacity and the walls of our souls need to be thicker. Christ already dwells in the believer's hearts and yet we could have more of his presence if our souls had the capacity. Our capacity for, for God is limited by the state and shape of our soul. If our soul is filled with other things, until we get empty, we can't get more of his love his presence, or his power. We need to get our heart and soul in shape so that we have more. And Paul prays for a supernatural intervention so that this would occur so that we could have an increased capacity for God. Paul's desire is that Christ would dwell in us, that he would make his home in our hearts through faith, that our hearts would actually become the permanent dwelling place of the Spirit of Christ. He, he's not just looking for a hotel rental for a couple days, or he's, he's not just looking for an Airbnb for a week of vacation. He's actually looking to take up permanent residency in our heart and live there forever. And we need the Spirit the holy spirit to expand our capacity for more of jesus i know i need that john 14:23 says jesus says if anyone loves me he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home in him jesus would you make your home in us Jesus, come, Holy Spirit, would you expand the borders of our heart that Christ would dwell in us I feel like the Lord is saying, my church needs to be strengthened. There's no other option. The time is now to give permanent residency to the person of the Holy Spirit, that the walls of our hearts would be expanded to a greater degree, that Christ would be able to sit on the thrones of our hearts, that Jesus would take his rightful place to the degree, the degree to which Christ dwells in us needs to increase. Paul continues his staircase prayer, and his desire is that the Ephesian church would be rooted and grounded in love. They would be rooted and grounded in love, that it would be the foundation of their life. If the the Spirit of God has taken up residency in our hearts, in our lives, in our inner man, then the the natural and the logical, direct outcome of that is that we would walk in love. We know this. We know this. Jesus states, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And Paul's desire, Paul's prayer, his earnest prayer is, I want you guys to be rooted and grounded in love. Love, and this rooted, this rooted word gives this picture of a, a tree where its roots go down deep into the soil that the roots would wrap around big boulders underneath the, the earth's surface and it would grab it and it would be rooted and strong and unshakable that, that, you, would, that you would put your life on a firm foundation of love. Love. I believe this morning that there are relationships in our midst that need mending. The the Spirit of the Lord is saying, I want you to mend your broken relationships. Brothers and sisters in Christ who have not treated each other with kindness. I believe that there are friendships that need restoration in our midst. And the Lord is saying, As I... Uh, As you root and ground yourself in love, I will bring healing. I will bring healing. Paul continues his prayer. And not only does he want the believers to be rooted and grounded in love for one another... His prayer is that they would be strengthened so that they can comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height and depth of the love of Christ for all believers. And I love what F.F. Bruce, he he points to Job, the book of Job, and he compares the love of Christ with the wisdom of God. And he says, if we're going to think about the wisdom of God as endless, as limitless, we have to think about the love of Christ in the exact same way. And Job says this, it is higher, he's speaking of the wisdom of God, it is higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol. What can you know? It, its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. And if that's the wisdom of God, we must look at the love of God in the very same way. Essentially, the love of Christ is unsearchable. It is unfathomable. It is endless. It is reckless. It is never giving up. It is, it is unsearchable and undescribable. The human mind cannot comprehend the love of Christ. the love that surpasses knowledge. Paul Paul says it surpasses knowledge. And if, if we're going to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, I believe that we have to have an encounter with God. We must experience the love of Christ. And the spirit inside of us connects us to Christ, the love of Christ that we might experience his love, that we might cry out, Abba, Father. Romans 8, 15 and 16, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoptions as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This is the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. The spirit inside of us connects us to the spirit of Christ and we cry out, Abba Father, Daddy God. A love that is offensive to many. The only way to know something that is unknowable is to experience it, to encounter it. Oh, that we would know the, unlovable, the unknowable love of God. Charles Spurgeon says this, in this measure, in this measurement, may you and I be skilled. If we know nothing of mathematics, may we be well-tutored scholars in this spiritual geometry and be able to comprehend the breaths and lengths of, Of Jesus' precious love. In the West we are so good at knowledge. We're so good at we have doctorate degrees upon doctorate degrees upon doctorate degrees but we know nothing about the love of God that surpasses knowledge. We have all the knowledge but we don't know the love of God. Paul blows right past the mindset of knowing the love of God and he says we must know the love of God in our inner being and we need the Spirit of God in us to experience it. So we have to experience the love of God and and in part, I believe that one of the ways we experience it is actually... Through being rooted and grounded in love. In part, we know the love of Christ when we give and receive love from one another. And all of it is spirit centered. I love that. All of it is spirit-centered. In in order to encounter the love of Christ, we actually have to have the spirit of Christ living inside of us so that, that our spirit and his spirit can cry out and connect and that his spirit can witness with ours. And then another way that we experience the love of Christ is that we love one another. And in order to do that, we need spirit empowerment. As we pursue relationship with the Spirit of God in our inner being, the Spirit of Jesus wants to bring us into a revelation of the love of the Father. I believe that as we cultivate a relationship with the Spirit, we will be healed of the wounds from even our childhood that need a touch of the love of Jesus. And I believe that even in this moment, even in this morning, there are people in this room who will have an encounter with the Father heart of God and wounds that they have been dealing with since childhood will be gone in an instant. He is setting you free from the lies of the enemy that you are not loved, that you are not cherished, that you are not valued. Finally, Paul's prayer climaxes. And it climaxes with this incredibly beautiful statement. He says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul's entire prayer, from from the foundation of his prayer that we would pray according to the riches of his glory, to uh, the strengthening of the Spirit, to uh, intimately knowing Christ's presence and love, ultimately culminates in being filled with the fullness of God. And not just with the fullness of God, but all the fullness of God. All of it. Can you believe that? That Paul would, Paul would earnestly pray to God and say, Lord, would you fill the Ephesian church with all your fullness? Commentator Clark, he says this, Among all the great sayings in this prayer, this is the greatest. To be filled with God is a great thing. To be filled with the fullness of God is still greater, but to be filled with all the fullness of God, it utterly bewilders the sense and confounds the understanding. I believe what the Lord wants to say this morning is that in Christ, there is always more. In Christ, there is always more. We will spend all our lives, all our earthly lives, and all of eternity being filled over and over with the fullness of God. Put your hand on your chest and say again, Holy Spirit, fill me with the fullness of God. Do it right now. Holy Spirit, fill me with the fullness of God. That is a prayer that we can pray daily. Fill me with the fullness of God. All the fullness of God. Isn't that incredible? Paul closes his incredible prayer with one last sentence. And he says... Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. Charles Spurgeon states that Paul actually has to make up words, make up expressions to get out what he's trying to say exceedingly abundantly more. Like, how, how is that even measurable? Exceedingly abundantly more. It's not measurable. Far more than we could ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God is able. He is able to do far more than we could ever ask or think. Think of the largest thing that you have ever asked God in prayer. More than that, think about maybe there's something that you are a little nervous to ask God for because it's so incredibly big. He's able to, he's exceedingly abundantly able to do far more than what you could ever ask or think. He's able to fill us with his spirit to expand the borders of our hearts that Christ may dwell in us with ever-increasing capacity, that we would be able to comprehend with all the believers what is the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. He is able, he is exceedingly abundantly able to do more than that invite the worship team to come up and to continue to lead us in worship. But I believe this morning that there are some of us that are not sure that we can trust the Holy Spirit. We're not sure we can trust Him to expand the borders of our hearts. We're not sure if we actually want Him to expand the borders of our hearts. Maybe we we don't want Jesus to take His rightful place On our hearts. Uh, Some of us are paralyzed by fear, and, and the Spirit of God is this is what He's saying to His church right now open up your heart to me. Let me in, let me do my strengthening work in you so that you can experience the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Let me strengthen you in your e- inner being according to the riches of my glory. Would you stand? Let's turn our eyes to Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that you are in this place. We thank you that you live in us by the power of your spirit. We, you live in us by your spirit through faith. We thank you for that reality. We ask that you would bring a fresh revelation of that to our hearts this morning. We we make room for you, Jesus. Would you expand the borders of our hearts that we would know the love of Christ and that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. And all of God's people said, Amen. Let's worship the Lord.